welcome back. Let's Get Physical Therapy is an educational podcast brought to you by MedStar Health and hosted by me, physical therapist Becca Schumer. I will be sharing the mic with tons of healthcare professionals with the goal of educating and inspiring fellow PTs and future PTs. We hope you find this both informative and inspirational, ultimately optimizing how we treat our patients and grow as professionals. Please enjoy today's episode. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Dion Hawkins, who received her bachelor's degree in biology from Oakwood University in Huntsville, Alabama, and her master's of PT from the SUNY Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York. She has been a practicing PT for 19 years and has experience in the fields of pre- and postnatal care, aquatics, orthopedics, and geriatrics. In her current role as clinic director at Metzler Health PT at Leisure World, she enjoys working with the geriatric population to help maintain their mobility and strength, promoting continuation of a safe and independent lifestyle. Falls Prevention Awareness Day is technically September 22nd, so this is coming out a few days before, but I'm excited to host Dion. Her energy is contagious. She is very passionate about treating this patient population to help prevent falls. So let's bring Dion on and learn all about falls prevention. Good morning, Dion. How's it going? Good morning. How are you, Rebecca? I'm, I'm well. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. I'm excited to talk about this topic with you about falls prevention, uh, but we always like to hear your journey. How did you get into the field? Well, actually, I was pre-med in undergrad and got to the end of my junior year in preparations for the MCATs with the rest of my classmates and decided, maybe not. <laughs> um, I knew that science was all I loved, so I just started using the internet to search and see what else I could do with a bachelor's in biology, and PT is what came up. What made me fall in love with it, however, and I'll never forget it, there was a patient who I was working as a clinical assistant at a clinic in Buffalo, New York, where I'm from, and we had a patient that had come in with two uh, obliterated patella after being in a car accident and her knees were driven into the dashboard. She could not walk. She was in a wheelchair, so doped up on pain medication, she could barely stay awake. But when she was done, she was running on a treadmill. And I remember very distinctly thinking, oh, my goodness, this crap really works. <laughs> and I have loved physical therapy ever since. So that's kind of my entryway into the profession. I love it. This talk is very timely because I actually had, I mostly treat athletes, but I also treat a little bit of everything. And yesterday I had a patient who had fallen over the weekend and her head was black and blue, knee was bruised up, just everything, just not in good shape. So I'm really excited to jump into this topic with you and just learn more about it. Um, in prepping for this, I found some staggering statistics on the CDC website about how frequent falls occur, percent of hip fractures, like 95% of hip fractures are due to falls. Um, and there's tons that we can do to help people stay on their feet. So exactly. why why is this topic so important to you and how did you get into this area? Well, it's actually personal for me. My grandmother, um, who was actually just visiting this weekend, sustained a fall in my home mm. just three days ago and um, fractured her left humerus as a result of that. She has sustained a fall two days before that, uh, sorry, two weeks before that, where she had a head injury. She lives alone still uh, at her home in Buffalo, has stairs, and as many of our seniors, as many people in general, has been very sedentary during this pandemic. So what we've seen a lot of as we've, you know, kind of come out of things, people are weak. People are stiff. People have 
as a result of that, lost a lot of, of their ability to have balanced recovery. And my grandmother's a prime example. I mean, as literally as she was laying on the floor, I'm telling her, you are who I treat every single day. I've been telling her for a very long time, you got to get out of that chair. You got to get back to moving again. So uh, it's it's quite personal for me and quite timely that we're having this discussion today. Yeah, definitely. So how do you motivate, and this is, we're not, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but how do you motivate a family member who you can see clear as day that they would benefit from these things, but they're not doing them? So how do we educate family members, friends to encourage people to, to move more and get get the help that exists out there like PT? Yeah, unfortunately, it's usually because they've had a fall and hopefully that fall hasn't been um, a terrible one. But we are very hard headed as human beings and sometimes have to learn the hard way. Um, I was hoping that, you know, we could get her back into PT when she sustained the fall two weeks ago. Um, sometimes that shot across the bow is what's necessary to get people moving. They understand the seriousness of it. And I have to say, even though, you know, she's going to have a tougher road with this broken arm, she's motivated now because she doesn't want to lose her independence. She wants to be able to stay in her home. Well, those those things have to come come with some work because you've lost a lot with the pandemic in terms of your strength and we've got to get that back. And she's totally motivated to do that now. So unfortunately, life lessons are often how we end up motivating some of these people to get back. They don't believe that things are as bad as we say until it happens to them. Yeah, it's kind of scary because the likelihood of sustaining an injury goes up if you've already had sustained an injury. So risk is just so a fall is so high risk for some serious injuries and even death sometimes. So it's pretty scary that might take a fall to push someone to get help. But how how do patients end up in your clinic? Are they seeing you specifically with a script that says falls prevention? Are you seeing them because they had a fall and you're seeing them because of the sequelae of what happened due to that fall? How does that work in your clinic? A little bit of both. Um, Sometimes we have people that just notice a sense of instability when they're walking more so than they had in the past. They're not able to walk a straight line. They're catching themselves on the wall and having a lot of near falls. Um, So they go to their doctor and ask for some PT. Sometimes it's because of a fall that they've already sustained. Sometimes it is a family member who drags them in, sometimes kicking and screaming, but they don't want to see a fall occur to that loved one. So it's a little little bit of a mix mm-hmm. of how we end up seeing people here in the clinic. Patient enters your clinic. What's What are some things that you're going to start with? What does the visit look like? Well, definitely doing a very thorough examination. Um, when it comes to people that have a straight up balance issue, we're looking at all the things that could be contributing factors to that, uh, that balance loss. What does your strength look like? What does your mobility look like? Um, we're going to also kind of screen for any vestibular issues that may be contributing to that fall. Um, do you have a history of peripheral neuropathy? Because that's going to contribute to their ability to be stable on their feet. So we're looking at a number of different things. I noticed on the CDC website, they have this stay independent brochure, which was kind of cool. It's very thorough. Um, and the things that they were addressing were speaking up, like being honest with your healthcare providers about your concerns, risk of falling keep moving, which is where we come into play. Again, the annual eye exam was one I thought was interesting that doesn't always come to my brain, but like obviously if you have low vision, then that obviously increases your risk of falling. Yes, which impacts then, this 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 older community a great mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, and then making your home safer, which I'm sure you give tips on all day long on how to do that. Yes, we do. <laughs> Going back to the exam, can you tell me about some objective measures that you're using with these patients that like test measures that you're using? 
So like I said, we definitely um, focus on strength. Uh, a lot of times we find that in particular people's hip strength is very poor, even if they're somewhat active. You know, I walk every day. Well, that's great. That's not necessarily a hip strengthening exercise. And it's often quite eye opening to them to let them see, yeah, your 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 knees might be a little strong, but let's lie you on your side and try this straight leg raise. And their hip abductors are absolutely weak. And then educating on how you know you need strong hips to be able to to catch your balance if you find yourself off step off um off balance and unsteady. Um, test the measures also that we like to use a lot is the Berg. Um, as well as the functional gait assessment, the FGA. Um, those are two that we often use because a lot of the elements in those two tests are things that people complain about um, as difficulties. So, for instance, on the Berg, one of the elements is, you know, can you turn around in a 360-degree turn and how quickly can you do that? A lot of people here at Leisure in particular have small kitchens and small bathrooms. So the ability to do a tight turn is very challenging. And oftentimes is the cause of people's falls. Um, so that those two tests in particular are ones that we like to use. And then once you glean that information, you use those to help write your goals. And yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Because those speak to very functional deficits that they may be having. So we'll craft exercises and home exercises around what we're finding are our deficits in those two exams. What about the sit to stand test or tug? Those are some other common ones I see. Mm -hmm. The sit to stand test is also one of the standards that we use here. Um, a lot of arthritis in leisure world. <laughs> so um, sit to stands can be affected because of a lot of arthritis in the knees as well. So, um, and it's a very functional thing. You know, can how quickly can you get out of a chair and how stable are you once you're out of that chair? The tug we use as well. Um, the sit to stand definitely though is, is a more common standard here used at leisure world. Now, a big component of falling is fear of falling and people walk differently and act differently to prevent them from falling, which actually might actually increase the risk of falling. Absolutely. How do you have the psychological component to reduce someone's risk or a fear of falling? So that's quite a bugaboo of mine, actually. Um, we have people, like I said, that sometimes come in um, after a very innocent fall. They slipped on ice, you know, fluffy ran across their feet in the middle of the night and they tripped and fell. Not really a balance issue, a very legitimate fall that anybody without a balance issue could have. But I find that doctors often tell their older patients, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. And for somebody that might be highly anxious, that is the absolute worst thing you can do because they get it in their head. I'm going to fall. I can't fall. I can't fall. And it absolutely changes how they move. They move like they're afraid, which actually puts them at a greater risk for fall. They're now walking with a shuffling gait. They're holding on to everything that they find, even if it means reaching for it and putting themselves further out of their center of gravity. And so a lot of uh, treatment involves educating them on that psychological piece and fear of falling. And how we combat that is we do hard things when it comes to balance and challenging their balance so that they can gain confidence in their abilities, in the strength that they do have. If they don't have it initially, as they gain it, we're showing them, hey, look at what you just did. You, you can do this. Let's practice some things. We'll often take them outside so that they can deal with uneven surfaces and the distraction of cars and other people so that they can get over this fear of falling and move with confidence. Basically, PT is just a lot of exposures, graded exposures. 
guided and protected exposures. Because what I hear a lot is, well, I can do this because you're holding me. Well, I'm really not, but I'm walking next to you. And that gives you a level of confidence. And that helps them too, to see the psychological piece in, in their fear of falling when I'm literally just standing here offering you no support and now you're fine. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they, they can catch on like, oh, okay, I guess maybe I can do some of these things. Uh, what about breathing techniques? Um, Yes, because a lot of people when under a stressful situation will just hold their breath. I do a lot of diaphragmatic breathing, you know, just in and out. Don't hold your breath. It's making everything much harder. And if you just naturally breathe, it's important. Just focus on that. And you'll mm-hmm. find that you don't have to be as stressed. You're not as scared and you can move with greater confidence. Definitely. How long is a course of treatment for someone strictly coming to you more for gait abnormalities or fall risk? Not not speaking to like they have an injury and they're seeing you because of that, but like strictly I need help to reduce my risk of falling. What's a typical course? So we usually see people for eight to 12 visits with a case like that. Um, and it varies based on their level of weakness, their level of motivation. Um, and their level of of fear. You know, sometimes it really takes a lot to coax people out of that that fear mindset um, that keeps them from wanting to try. Um, the other thing that's a huge factor in how quickly they progress along is how compliant they are with their home exercise programs. Um, it's a little trickier when it comes to balance, so you have to really uh, instruct on how to do things safely. Um, A lot of times we're teaching things at the kitchen sink (laughs) where they can hang on and use it almost like a parallel bar um, in a corner with a nice heavy chair in front of them. So give them a certain level of of safety and comfort or with a a spouse or a neighbor or another family member. But it's important that they do some of these outside of here and stressing the point that if you practice it more, you'll get better at it faster than if you're only coming here twice a week you're not going to get to your goals as quickly as you'd like. Definitely. As you're talking, I'm thinking about patients prehab before a surgery, the importance of teaching things to reduce the risk of falling after surgery when someone's using assistive device for the first time, maybe they're on medications. Are you seeing a lot of that in your clinic? Not a ton. Um, no, I can't say so. Not a ton. Got it. What are some tips and tricks you use to help your patients or I guess for their home safety? What are some general guidelines and ideas you share with your patients to reduce the risk of falling in the house? Definitely declutter. This generation uh, kind of grew up in the in the uh, depression. And if they're anything like my grandmother, they were taught don't ever throw anything away. Don't ever be wasteful. And as a result, you'll, they'll often have a lot of clutter. So loose rugs, things that are on the the floor boxes, magazines, newspapers, things like that um, in common walkways that just make it more challenging. Um, loose bed covers that happen to be uh, on the floor, making sure that that's not a tripping hazard as well. And then, you know, speaking again to the visual uh, deficits that some people may have, making sure there's good lighting. You know, a lot of times people will say that they've had a fall on their way to the bathroom. Well, how well lit was that pathway to your bathroom? You're already half asleep. It doesn't help if you now also can't see your pathway as well. So um, good lighting is another tip that we will often give. What about footwear? 100%. (laughs) If you have to have something on your feet, make sure it's something that's got great grip on it. It's going to cover your whole foot. I'm not a fan of, you know, just the kind of slip in slippers that's easy to slip out of (laughs) the same way it's easy to slip into 
Um, case in point, my grandmother, when she tripped up the steps, was wearing slip-in slippers, which we have, again, encouraged her not to wear. So <laughs> guess what's on the way to her house as we speak? Proper <laughs> From shoes. From Amazon. Yes. Proper shoes. Exactly. <laughs> when you're working with your patients, because the lighting is so important, uh, and pa- patients often don't realize how much they rely on their visual input for their balance, are you having them close their eyes or working with different lighting Absolutely. in the clinic? Absolutely. And the funny thing is, is, well, I'm not walking with my eyes closed, <laughs> but you are walking in the dark sometimes. And as a matter of fact, isn't that how you fell? And then they get it. A lot of times they don't understand why we put them under the conditions that we do to practice balance. Why am I on this squishy foam pad with my arms crossed with my eyes closed? Well, because it's going to make it a lot easier for you to walk with your eyes open in a well-lit area on flat land. So... <laughs> Um, but yes, a lot of people are very heavily visual, vision dependent. So closing the eyes when they're practicing some of these balance exercises definitely helps to hone their ability to to maintain their balance and stability. Mm-hmm. Virtual reality seems to be entering the PT world a little more. Is there a role for virtual reality in fall risk prevention? Um, sure, there is. I think that it's it's a fun tool to use. We've had a couple of demos with uh, a few companies. But at the same time, I find that just tried and true things here in the clinic that really make it very functional for them is far more um, beneficial and practical. Mm-hmm. This has been a very comprehensive, quick episode on falls prevention. Is there anything else that you would like to you know, educate the physical therapists, physical therapy students, anything, anyone on falls prevention in the clinic? I think just... Uh, Respect people's fear if they've had it, if they've had a fall. Um, Know your patient. There are some people that I have had to totally use scare tactics on because they just don't understand it. And um, explain some of the the more unfortunate circumstances and consequences of a fall. You know, remember that old um, life alert. I can't remember the name of the company, but the old commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up where the cute little ladies laying down, well, that's not at all what a fall looks like. A fall is a broken a broken nose. It's a broken arm. It's a face, as you said, with your patient that's completely black and blue. It's not cute. Sometimes it's a head injury. Sometimes it's a subdural hematoma, as in the case with one friend of mine who unfortunately lost her father to it. Mm-hmm. And for those people that really don't understand the seriousness of it, that's the route I have to take so they can understand it's not a joke. And it is something that has to be taken seriously and addressed quickly. And I want to reiterate just how beneficial physical therapy is for this population. Absolutely. It makes such a big change in a person's life and reduce their risk. Yeah. So if you have a friend, a parent, anyone that you're worried about, please send them to PT. <laughs> get please, get please, them stronger please. and safer. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on today, and we love to end our episodes with a favorite quote or best piece of advice you've ever been given. So, Dion, what's your favorite quote? So, I don't have a quote, but I do have a favorite piece of advice that was given to me by my mentor on my very first PT job when I was working in Gainesville, Florida. Her name was Virgie Shira. If she happens to hear this podcast, hey, Virgie. (laughs) But she said to me that her mentor told her that she's probably healed more people with psychotherapy than physical therapy. And I've always kept that in my mind because I don't take lightly the honor that it is to have people allow us to put our hands on them and how vulnerable they have to be to allow that. So realizing that 
it opens up a space for people to be vulnerable, to respect that, and to treat a whole person, not just a body part. So that was the best piece of advice I ever got. And I've taken that with me throughout my career. I love that. I can get on my soapbox. I'll try to avoid it. People, if you listen to the podcast, you know how I feel about this, that the orthopedic injury, whatever, is kind of the easy thing to treat when you're a little further out in your career. Mm -hmm. It's the psychological piece, the person in front of you that really dictates the course of treatment and how you're going to receive the treatment. So yeah, I love it. Absolutely. Awesome. Dion, where can people find you? I am located at MedStar Health at Leisure World in Silver Spring, Maryland. Our address is 3305 North Leisure World Boulevard, Suite 200. If you're over 55, come on in. Let's work with you. I love it. Thank you so much, Dion, for your time. It's been great. Awesome. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks for listening to the Let's Get Physical Therapy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram at PT. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review so we can reach more listeners just like you. As always, we appreciate your time and hope you join us for our next episode.